Hallie Burt. I'm Kate Vernerberg. And this is Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidori. Thanks for joining us. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a man in possession of a podcast must be in want of guests. And so I'm very happy to have you both here today to talk a bit about your Toronto 2013 fringe show, Elizabeth Darcy, which fittingly is an adaptation on Pride and Prejudice. Before we get into the show specifically, I'd love to hear a bit more about Bert and Werneberg. Uh, well, Kate and I have known each other for quite a while now. Yeah. For over eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, we met each other when we started at theater school and we've you know, we live together and we've supported each other in our careers up until this point. And then we decided, hey, we're really, really both like classical theater. And why don't we get together and do something that we just really want to do and collaborate? Yeah. And we, we settled on Pride and Prejudice. We thought this would, this would be an amazing opportunity to do a story that we really loved and really cared about. And we've also both, strangely enough, had the wonderful opportunity of playing men in our careers in big classical pieces. Hallie played Dr. Faustus in, is it Marlowe's? It's Marlowe's mm-hmm. Faustus, yeah, at school. And I got to play a big chunk of King Lear. And so we thought, you know, it would be really fun playing all the parts in Pride <laughs> and Prejudice. The ladies, the men. The plants. The whatever. Plants? Yeah. No. Well, no, we don't play plants. Don't get nope. excited about that. No, don't, that. don't buy a ticket on that account. But <laughs> Someone is very disappointed. Oh, <laughs> the, plants, the, no. the Bennett family ficus will not be represented. No. Sounds like a great name for a band, though. Bennett family ficus. <laughs> it does. It really does. This is obviously our inaugural production as Burton Werneberg. We have had an amazing time collaborating, so hopefully there will be many more productions to come. Yeah, we're hoping that this show goes beyond the fringe, yeah. and we have we have high hopes. We won't speak of them now because nothing is certain yet, but uh, we have hopes to continue this project in other contexts. Yes. So what uh, what was the draw to go for Pride and Prejudice? Well, back in the summer. Like I said, Kate and I, we were talking about, you know, the direction we wanted to take our careers, and we were kind of helping each other with monologues for auditions, and we realized we were both kind of going for the same sorts of things, and we wanted to do something that spoke to both of us, Mm -hmm. and we didn't know what it was yet, but then one day, Kate invited me over to watch the BBC's Pride and Prejudice, you know, the six-hour version. The Colin Firth. <laughs> Jennifer Elia. And, uh, you know, we just did it for fun, and we just, it was, you know, just girly I've been times. I've been reading the novel. Actually, we've been coaching each other through our, our uh, we crashed the Shaw Festival auditions yeah. this year, and we'd been coaching each other, and because you have to sit out in the hallway for hours waiting for your Shaw Crasher audition, <laughs> I'd been reading Pride and Prejudice. I'm like, it would be really fun to watch this. And then, a few days later, bam! And we, we like <laughs> <laughs> We like to think that it was... You were just waiting for that sound effect. <laughs> we, we like to think always that it was that it was our brilliant idea that we came up with this, but I was complaining to my husband one night about like, oh, I really want to do Pride and Prejudice. Well, I'm still young enough to play the, the young characters in it. And he's like, why don't you just do it? It's like, oh, what a good plan. <laughs> I called Hallie and said, Hallie, what do you think about doing a two-woman Pride and Prejudice? I was like, yeah. Yeah! And then I think it was you, Kate, who said, why don't we do it at Campbell House? I did. Yeah. Um, because it's a Georgian 
period house. Yes. So it's perfect for Pride and Prejudice. We and were literally sitting at, I think it was Le Petit Déjeuner on um, King Street having brunch. And we're like, we have to go. We have to go there right now and talk to them. And we did. They saw us. And so we were sitting up there in their beautiful ballroom on the period furniture. And we explained to the curator there, Liz Driver, that we wanted to do a two-woman Pride and Prejudice. And there was a pause. And we're like, this is the moment where she tells us we're crazy and please leave. <laughs> and she said, oh, that's a wonderful idea. I'm like, oh my gosh, amazing! <laughs> yeah, and and since like it just took off from there. As soon as we talked to Liz, we arranged everything, and the museum has just been amazing. I don't. They really have. Campbell House in general, they have been really supportive to theater, mm-hmm. and it's growing. I think there's going to be a lot happening. Yeah. In terms of theater, there. Yeah, in the future too. Yeah. So you did the adaptation of the book yourselves. For we did. a two-woman show, how was that process? Really, really exhilarating, yeah. and but very, very intense and very long. We we started work. Actually, it was kind of funny. We started work just after our Shaw auditions, and so we started work on the analysis and adaptation of the novel right about the time when the novel starts, which is Michaelmas, which is I think falls on the 29th of September, the Feast of Saint Michael traditionally, which is right when the novel starts too. So we've been working on it for months and months and months before we came around to nearing any kind of production schedule yeah pretty much as soon as we had the idea we started Mm -hmm. analysis on the novel and we we started meeting right away and we just worked our way through the novel a little story we decided to take a (laughs) yoga challenge in Mm -hmm. february which is awesome in february oh the most important part being that it starts at 6 in the morning. or 6.45. 6.45. But because we both lived such a distance from the yoga studio, we had to get up at 5.45 every weekday in February to be there. But wow. it was great because that meant we were together every single weekday to work at after yoga. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that was a great discipline. Good for our bodies and minds mm-hmm. and our creative process. Some of our friends said, you know, I don't know if the <laughs> art you're going to create after 5 a.m. yoga is going to be... <laughs> It's superb. And we have some interpretive drawings that make a lot of sense to us and enriched our understanding yes. of the novel. I they don't know. Fed, they fed our process. Yeah. We did a lot of the very like creative, abstract work during that month. As well as, yes, we did do a lot of that. Before <laughs> that, we did a lot more kind of analysis and research. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> And so we worked together for many, many months. And then we brought on a dramaturg. His name is Bruce Pitkin. And he came along and just helped us to really make all those necessary cuts that are so hard to make oh, yeah. when you're that close it was great. to the work. We got the, the first draft back from him and he'd cut the whole entire scenes. And we're like, wow, that's a great idea. <laughs> we never would have of. been able to do that ourselves maybe, but, mm-hmm. but it was completely necessary. So it was great to have that outside eye. Yeah. We tried really hard on our first draft to just be really true to what the story was and to kind of let the chips fall where they may. And because we've been working on the on the novel for such a long time, and you always do have it in the back of your mind that this needs to be played by two actors, the chips fell fairly well, really, in terms of how, how we could adapt it. But um, before we started anything, we because we knew we had a limited amount of time and a limited amount of actors in which to tell this story, with which to tell this story, we decided to to do some kind of pairing analysis where we would, we were like, okay, let's extract. So we called it Elizabeth Darcy because we really wanted our production to focus on them and their story. And then we, we pulled out all the scenes with 
Darcy and Elizabeth, we pulled out all of their dialogue. We pulled out all the dialogue of the novel as one of our documents. Then we pulled out all of their <laughs> dialogue. And then we started writing. We, we did some marathon sessions. And we were about <laughs> halfway through <laughs> uh, a first draft. And we were like, this is fantastic, amazing. So what's the next thing that happens? They go to Mr. Bingley's ball. <laughs> like, wait, wait, stop. We forgot Wickham. <laughs> we totally, well, like the villain, the opposing force. Why doesn't this love story go smoothly? <laughs> because there's a villain. <laughs> so we had to go back and plot him in again. Because we pared down a little too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Snip, snip. <laughs> At first, we just didn't think about it. Yeah. About the fact that there were just two of us. We just told the story and we tried to get it out there. That was the first step. And then the next step was to, you know, make those transitions a lot smoother. And mm-hmm. luckily, because we just kind of instinct we had that in our, our minds and bodies we we'd already kind of done that with a lot of it and and bruce helped a lot with that too yeah obviously mm-hmm. yeah it was so great he cut some characters that it was a relief not to have <laughs> yeah i guess there are enough sort of other things going on that you can cut a character cut a subplot and there it, are so many subplots down. it's a huge novel and there i mean so many great characters oh, it was yeah. so hard you know really interesting dynamic characters but we kept most of the we kept them or we mentioned them so they're they're presence in the play yeah the first thing that that we realized of course which i'm sure every adapter of this novel realizes is that elizabeth is in every scene and talks to everyone (laughs) like right so the person playing elizabeth that's that's what she's doing more or less and the other person has to do a lot like in our version, both actresses play many different characters, but Elizabeth is such a big track that the other person just needs to take on more shifts and changes in order to, to support how the novel works. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, Kate. No, I love it. It's so great. <laughs> was there any debate at all of who was going to be Elizabeth, or was this decided from the go? We didn't decide at all at the beginning, and it sort of organically happened that we were drawn to different characters in a really significant way yeah it's funny that's really nice when that happens (laughs) such a relief Mm -hmm. it was just funny because you know i had been thinking okay i think you know elizabeth like was she was speaking to me but then i didn't want to say it yet just in case kate was thinking the same thing i was thinking that i really was resonating with mr darcy but i didn't want to like say that (laughs) but when i think you did eventually did did say you know i'm just feeling like darcy i I i'm getting him and i i'd like to try him and i was like really you sure (laughs) done like and then from there really all the other characters kind of fell into place who would be playing it just it really made sense Mm -hmm. once we decided you know elizabeth and darcy the rest of the process was a lot easier oh yeah in terms of picking who we would actually be playing. There were a couple of characters that switched back and forth for a little bit, but then just how it, as we see in French, like, déroulé out as it unfolded, I guess. Um, it worked out. You're just being fancy. Yeah. No, it's like, <laughs> my head, I always trip over this word, and I'm like, that's the word I want. I do, too. English. I trip I over it all the time. <laughs> when I speak the French, I don't. <laughs> in your going through it, have you, have your thoughts on the source material changed at all as you sort of have embodied these characters have have you found yourself being more sympathetic maybe to a character than you might have been in previous now that you're actually wearing that character's head i think completely i mean jane austen is such a genius her characters even in the most vile there's 
real humanity. There's always something sympathetic, and there's and no no character is ever too good either. They're really complex people, and so it's been great to kind of get in there. I think one character that we found actually kind of the opposite for that. At first glance, you have a lot of sympathy for, and you really like. The more we thought about him, the more we analyzed him, the less we liked him. And he was Mr. Bennett. Mr. Bennett. <laughs> Mr. Bennett. We went through so many ups and downs. What a journey. It was a roller coaster with him. It was. <laughs> We were like, oh, Mr. Bennett, we love Mr. Bennett. Oh, he's the worst. He's, he's the so worst awful. father ever. And, and then we you know, yeah. And then he was, you know, we, then we understood him some more again. Yeah, he's so complicated. People think that the Mr. and Mrs. Bennett are just like the Punch and Judy show. They're not. They have an intense relationship, especially the way we've conceived it. I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say no more. Say no more. <laughs> That's good. We're still in the early process of rehearsal. And as you rehearse things, of course, everything shifts and changes. But I know, I think a couple of days ago, we were talking about who's the most fun kind of right out of the starting gate. Yeah. And for me right now, the most fun is Miss Bingley. She's very ambitious, <laughs> a little jealous, a little more than a little jealous. <laughs> and and I, yeah, I'm just really enjoying her feistiness right now but I, I i yeah i love all of them yeah i'm having a lot of fun with lady catherine de berg right now <laughs> i was kind of not looking forward to playing her because this is going to sound strange but my mother played her in high school and won the drama award for it i was like oh i don't know you don't want to compete with mom the <laughs> <laughs> family memory of mom but <laughs> but it's the time of my life right now she's so i would say evil but she's not She's she's just so direct and so again she's human, right? Part of her her hate of Trinity Elizabeth is based in just her hopes and wishes for her own daughter. You know, understand that. What's kind of really funny about the novel and that time is that you think of it as a very kind of mm. button-down, stuffy society that doesn't talk about things. But in lots of ways, they are way more rude and blunt and out there than we are mm -hmm. today. I think, you know, they just outright judge each other, ask questions that are super inappropriate. Yeah. And so that's really fun to kind of play with that. And I think in that way, it's very shocking, some of these characters. Completely. Everyone's income is a matter of public discussion on <laughs> dinner tables and at public balls. I mean, we would never in a million years whisper to our friends how much their boyfriends made or you know or just ask them straight up so i hear you make this much money is that correct wonderful um, let's ooh. get married no. yeah <laughs> i suppose it's a different time too when society and money worked differently mm -hmm. i forget that you can't see me nodding so there have been many moments where i'm just i'm nodding me a too. lot yeah <laughs> and then i remember to make a noise and... let yeah. the record show that they are both nodding <laughs> they are in agreement on their production <laughs> You both worked on this, uh, the adaptation. Well, what point did you bring in Tom to direct? And then how did that sort of work out with whatever else you had been constructing? Uh, I guess it was a couple of months ago that yeah. we brought Tom, Tom Arthur Davis mm -hmm. on board. And we started rehearsals at the end of May mm -hmm. with him. So he kind of had a lot of time to think about our script and his own take on it. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about Tom is that, you know, he has a very fresh eye. 
he I think he likes Jane Austen, you know. Yeah. And he knows the novel really well. Which he knows is the novel really well. But, but he's, he's not, not a fanboy. Yeah, he's obviously not like a fan. We were very fan. keen not to have a director who was too much of a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because if we were all just in love with all of a certain character's bits, like we, we were afraid we might lose our objectivity. Um, and be too precious. Yeah, we didn't want that. Okay. Tom is great because he wants to, I think, you know, stay true to the story like we do, but he wants to also turn some things on their head and mm-hmm. and show today's audience something. What, what can they take away from it? And he's really mm-hmm. focused on that and keeping yeah. it now and fresh. And really, I think, illuminating it for the audience. So some of the things you might see in this production would not be uh, period appropriate, uh, but... It, we're hoping, we believe, that, that the direction he's taking it in will make it easier for the audience to understand the, the real psychological thrust of the novel and the story. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that was shocking for me going through and, and discussing this with Kate was how real a thing marriage was, you know, like how yeah. serious it was. And if you didn't find a husband, there weren't really many options left for you and kind of for me coming to terms with that reality and being able to take that seriously was a huge revelation for me I guess what that reality was it was hard for me to understand but now that I do it's well the novel just is a a lot a lot more heartbreaking in some ways Mm -hmm. obviously yeah I think we, we have made a conscious choice, I think, to, to be very true to Austin's work in a lot of ways, but we can't help but perform it from a modern perspective because we are two young women living in this society now, having spent eight months analyzing this novel. So, yeah, we are seeing the bittersweet undertones. It's not just a big frothy farce. It really matters when Lydia runs away with Wickham. It's really, really intense. Like, literally, her options at that time where if she doesn't, she has to marry Wickham, which means she will have no marriage settlement, which means she will never have any personal spending money in her own marriage. Or if he doesn't marry her, she has two other options, which are to become a prostitute, literally, or her family will lock her away in a house and pay someone to bring her food. Like, she will be a complete social pariah. And that is a really stark, ugly reality. You know, and all of that, that's kind of bubbling under the surface for all of the women, their almost complete dependence on on the male Mm -hmm. structure of that time and space. That was one of the things which we haven't really talked about, which Mm -hmm. is us playing the men. Mm -hmm. Um, We, one of the reasons we wanted to do this, the reasons we wanted to play men was because we want to kind of play with the very strict way the theater is a lot of the time in Toronto where we do play our own gender, we do play within our type a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to play with that storytelling because storytelling is so many different things and in different cultures at different points in history. You know, women have played men, men have played women. Children play women. Yeah, and <laughs> we <clears throat> we are able to invest in those stories. So that's something we, we want to do is just to like – bring a little bit more of that kind of storytelling where yeah. we're just two people telling this story and you can invest in that. Yep. That's what we're hoping, tossing that challenge up for ourselves and a little bit for the audience. Can you really invest in a woman playing a man who's in love with a woman without it, you know, 
just sitting on the surface. Without it being Hallie's lesbian version, which we will create later. Later. That's later. Where Elizabeth is Woo! totally gay. <laughs> <laughs> You're working with Jane Austen. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and that. Jane. And to some people, I mean, the works of Jane Austen are almost more precious than like Shakespeare. And so dabbling in this, obviously, it sounds like you've got a definite respect for the source material. But by the same token, I mean, did you feel restricted at all by something that everybody has some association with, whether it's a book or a production or your mom doing a role? Yeah, Yeah, right, yeah. For sure, there have been moments like that. I had a small freak out in the winter when I suddenly realized that I had cast myself as Laurence Olivier, Colin Firth, and Matthew McFadden. I was like, what the? Oh my. And then Hallie's partner was actually like, Kate, it'll be fine. You'll be fine. I was like, okay, sure. Right. Oh my. (laughs) There's that, right? People are walking into Pride and Prejudice, which is not just a novel, but like... And we, and there are hardcore fans out there of Pride and Prejudice. We've had people, we had people asking about tickets in January because they are just so hardcore. So that is a lot of pressure. I think though, when you get so close with something and you spend so much time with it, this comfort level develops where, I mean, we've kind of created this other thing which is Pride and Prejudice, but it's also ours. So we can kind of take ownership of that and we can say, this is what we're doing. This is what we have to offer. And it sounds like you've done the work to defend your choices where it might differ from somebody's. Yeah, we really hope so. We hope so. We really hope so. That, you know, from the beginning, that has really been on our minds and Mm -hmm. definitely we've had moments of panic. But at this point, at least, I feel I'm at a... A good place with that. Yeah. <laughs> That'll probably change, you know, once we actually open and it's like, come see our adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> here, yeah. Here, I'm here nightly now. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading a book about the life of Jane Austen and in it the author quoted an academic, I think, in the 30s or 40s who had said something that Jane Austen wrote in such a way that almost every of one of her readers feels like they have this special like she's the special friend of mm-hmm. of the person reading the book and that's kind of helpful too in a way because i do feel that when i'm reading jane austen i read i think six or seven of her other novels <laughs> to prepare for this so i could have a really good idea of what what her world looked like and what her scope of her literature looked like so that's a kind of a nice comfortable if false feeling in the back of my mind <laughs> that the lady who wrote the book is my friend and we're gonna be okay <laughs> pride and prejudice is a comedy and a love story I've been talking to some people who who um, don't know that it's a comedy. I want to assure them that it's going to be a lot of fun, or we'll do our very best to make it a lot of fun. That you're not going to come to an evening of or an afternoon of stiff upper lip British theatre. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very alive. I think, and I think our version is very alive with the dramaturgy we've had, with the direction we have, the music that we're incorporating, <laughs> and. There's going to be some dancing also. Yeah. So it's it's really fun, and we think it also has a really big heart. A technical thing we really want people to know, oh, yeah. which is too bad about the show, which is because it's a site-specific show, because we're in this house, we will be going up and down stairs. So that is just something we really want our audiences to know, that if you're not able to go up and down stairs, you should know that we will be going a few times 
Yeah. We'll be taking some stairs. And that the audience may be doing a lot of standing. It's a 75-minute show, and you might you might want to get prepared to stand for most of that. Elizabeth Darcy, an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, part of the 2013 Toronto Fringe Festival at Campbell House. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Our pleasure, Marty. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.